You're listening to a message from Every Nation Canberra. In this message, Pastor Joe delves deep into the miracle at Cana using John 2 verses 1 to 11 to talk about the first miracle in the book of John. Good morning, everyone. I think this is the fourth time that you were greeted. Good morning. Welcome to church. It's so good to see all of you today. We believe that God works in miracles today by the power of the Holy Spirit to bless His people and to spread the gospel. This year, we are believing God for miracles, yes, that will testify to His power and create new opportunities for us to advance the kingdom. Well, fasting is usually keeping yourself from things that you usually do, drinking, eating, and devote more time for the Lord. But you can also fast from different media like TV or Facebook or the internet or gaming, whatever it is. The idea and the most important thing is to keep your focus off the things that the world offers and focus more on God this season. And this is how we will start this year as a church family. Our series, as Gans told you, is composed of seven sessions, which will start today until February. It's called Miracles. And we will spend the next seven weeks talking about the seven miracles that we read in the first book of John. Most of them we are very, very familiar with, like what we're going to talk about today. But in this series, we will study them in more detail, right? As they point our faith to Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The first section of the book of John from chapter 1 to 12 is called the book of signs. And as we go down further, chapter 20, we read the reason why these signs were actually told to us. John tells us the purpose of these signs. But the signs are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in His name. All miracles point to Jesus. And as we read along, we will discover that even now, many of us miss this point because we tend to focus more on the miracles and the blessings rather than the one who makes them happen. Our passage today speaks of the very first miracle that Jesus performed publicly recorded in John chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. And we are reading from the ESV version. May I encourage you to open your Bibles. Let's make it a habit to read the Bible, not just read text from the TV. So if you have your Bible apps with you, if you don't, just scan this, and it will take you straight to our reading today from John chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. And I encourage you to scan it so we could read it all together. So John chapter 2, verses 1 to 11, the ESV version. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone jars for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, 
the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves good wine first, and when the people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This is the first of his signs Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. And this is the word of God. Who among you still keep a picture or your wedding picture uh, somewhere at home? Probably hanging on a wall. Gans, you still have it? How many years have you been married? 20. Who else you still have? You still have? Yes. Okay. You know, our wedding pictures are always entertaining to look at, right? Sometimes it makes you cringe because you can see how the elements in time have, you know, transformed or changed you through the years. I actually asked permission from my wife to show you our wedding picture 34 years ago. So I'll show it for just three seconds. All right. My beautiful wife and the husband who looks like a lizard. So this is the only surviving picture of our wedding, December 13, 1988. So enough for that. Who among you still remembers what was served during your wedding reception? Cats, what did you have? Wow, beef tips and pumpkin soup. Do you still remember what was served during your wedding? If you can't remember what was served, I'm sure you can remember how much it cost you. The reception normally, nowadays, you can get by with 500,000 pesos, but that's just nothing. It would always be in the tune of millions of pesos if you're going to get married today, right? And since we didn't have any money, we only had 9,000 pesos in our bank account combined when we got married in 1988, uh, we were thinking of the cheapest way to actually do the wedding reception. So we actually had a breakfast wedding. You can just imagine how difficult it is for our guests because our wedding was at 8.30 in the morning, right? And my, my best man, who was my boss, was late, of course. Okay? I was able to get hold of a copy of our actual wedding menu. It's breakfast. starts, of course, with mango juice. That's Joe the mango juice. And we had a Spanish omelette, the tortilla, right? Spanish tortilla. And... Uh, Highlight was the ham steak and garlic fried rice, and saimada and pandesal with butter and jam, coffee, tea, or hot chocolate. We had 150 guests, and it cost us, guess how much? 13,000 pesos. So that's about 344 Australian dollars now. In Hyatt Hotel, in Manila, right? Nowadays, it's very costly to get married. Now, let's, let's go back to, to the highlights of this event. The wedding took place in Cana. No one knows exactly where Cana is exactly, but it is a village located in Galilee. The account starts with, on the third day, there was a wedding, and Mary, Jesus, and his disciples were invited. Jesus has just started his ministry. It was his third day. Other scholars say it's his fifth day. It was his third day. We will recall that there is this thing called the unknown years or the unaccounted years of Jesus, which generally refers to the time between Jesus was 12 years old 
and 30 years old. You don't see or read any of account of that in the New Testament. So since he was just starting his ministry, he didn't have 12 disciples at this time. He only had three, and that was Andrew, Philip, and Nathanael. And it was to Nathanael that Jesus said, because I said I saw you under a fig tree, do you believe you will see greater things than these? They were the first disciples who witnessed Jesus' first public miracle. Now, it is highly probable that Mary and Jesus knew who the bride or groom was, right? Because Mary and Jesus first was invited. They were invited. And Mary had some sort of command of authority over the servants. He was, she was actually instructing them to do something. So they probably have a relationship with the uh, people who were married. Now, Jewish weddings can be very costly even those days because they last for about a week. A week of food, drinking, music, celebration, dancing, and, and the whole shebang. There should be food for everyone during the seven days. And if you ran out of food or wine, that is a, a big embarrassment. That is a social catastrophe. Now, Mary knew something about Jesus that a lot of everybody probably didn't know yet at this time. Mary knew that Jesus performs miracles. She told him, they have no wine. She knows that Jesus can do something about it. But Jesus declined and said, my time has not yet come. But at the same time, Mary instructed the servants, do whatever he tells you. And we know the rest of the story. What we see in the story is this. What begins as an embarrassing problem becomes an opportunity for God's power to be on display in a way that provokes belief. The miracle in Cana didn't only uh, turn water into wine. It actually turned skeptics into believers. We all know the story. We have heard it many times. We've read it. But this is not just another miracle story. There is something profound that we can all learn from the wedding at Cana. When we are faced with challenges, let's embrace it. Welcome it, and let's look at it as an opportunity to learn and depend on God and not on our own understanding. Our greatest problems can become our greatest opportunities to deepen our faith in God. Look at this opportunity. Look at this problem as an opportunity to trust the Lord with all our heart. The Bible says, do not lean on your own understanding, and God will guide you to the right path. I hope that in this series, we as a community of believers can start looking at whatever challenges we face from a lens of faith, regardless of how big, insurmountable, or impossible our challenges are. And the story tells us exactly how to do that. How do we exercise faith, this faith that is required of us, in the middle of our challenges? Number one, bring it to Jesus. Bring the problem to Jesus, just like Mary did. You bring the problem to Jesus not because he doesn't know it. He already knows that there's no wine. He knows about your problem, and He cares. What does this have to do with me, Jesus said? My hour has not yet come, but 
But still, Mary brought the problem to Jesus. Many of us, by default, would try to exhaust our resources, our energy, our strength to solve our problems. And I don't think there's something inherently wrong with that. But there are three things about our bringing our problems to Jesus that make a difference. Number one, it takes humility to bring your problem to Jesus. Because when you present and bring your challenges to Jesus, you're acknowledging that on your own, you cannot make it happen. It takes humility to come to Jesus to do that. And you call on Him because you believe in Him. Mary knew something about Jesus that others didn't know. Mary believed that there's nothing impossible with Jesus. We don't know, but between when Jesus was 12 and 30, Mary might have experienced or witnessed Jesus performing miracles in their home. We don't know, just like Clark Kent when he was growing. But nobody knew it yet, but Mary knew. And bringing our problems to Jesus is always an exercise of faith. Because we believe in our hearts completely that nothing is impossible with God. Bringing your problems to Jesus is an act of surrender. It means giving Him full control over your situation, full control over the things that you're trying to fix on your own. And trusting, this is very important, trusting is perfect timing in all of these. The posture of submission should make us understand, number one, that when we bring our problems to Jesus, we must be ready to obey. Not just obedience, but extreme obedience. The servants obeyed Jesus when He said, can you put water in the jars? Okay, we don't know what's happening, but I'm going to do it. Then Jesus said, take some of it and bring it to the host. This is where the challenge comes in. As a servant, you wouldn't want to be in big trouble giving your host water. But they did obey Jesus, even if they don't know what's happening. They would be in trouble if they gave water, but they obeyed. Sometimes we need to do things, even if it doesn't make sense in our human minds. When we step forward in faith, despite our doubts, then we're giving ourselves the opportunity to see God work His miracles in our situations. It is in the process of obedience that miracles happen. What was in the jars were probably just water when they were pouring it in. It was when they obeyed and took from it and brought it to the host that it turned into wine. It is in the process of obedience that God's miracle would happen in our lives. Surrender requires participation. Jesus was the one who did the miracle. However, the servants were part of it. He could have just turned it straight into wine without even asking the servants to pour anything on it. Why didn't Jesus just fill the water or the pots with wine? We don't know the answers to those questions. But what we do know is that 
Jesus uses the things around us and uses the people around us to perform His miracles. Did it ever occur to you that maybe Jesus is using your dilemma right now, your situation right now, so that people will see and His glory will be magnified and they will believe that He is God? When we humbly surrender our situation to the Lord, He can make the ordinary become extraordinary. He can turn your water into wine. And not just any wine. He can turn your water into very good wine. He can turn your situation, turn it around. The Bible says everything works for the good of those who love the Lord and those who He has called for His purpose. God will take our empty, empty spaces and empty places and fill it to the brim. He supplies our needs from His glorious riches. And we end up, really, if you trust God, you end up having much more than you asked for. God's miracle in your life will lead people to believe. The verse says, and the disciples believed. Remember, your mess will be God's message to others. We always say this. Your test will be God's testimony of His faithfulness in your life to others. And the miracle in your life will point others to Jesus. You know, God has done miracles in our lives. We all have testimonies of that. And God will still do miracles in our lives. And when God miracle, God's miracles happen in our life, you know what happens? Sometimes we forget. So this is a reminder that we should all tell ourselves. Let's not get caught up in what happened, that we forget who made it happen. Remember, during the wedding feast, the people were, did not know where the wine came from. They did not bother to know where the wine came from because they were just having fun. Everyone was just caught up drinking very good wine. And even us well-meaning Christians can be like that. We take for granted so many things that we have to be thankful for. We get caught up with what's happening in our lives that we forget who made it happen. We're very blessed to live in a country like this who provides so much of our needs compared to our brothers and sisters in the Philippines who had to, who had to struggle just to produce money to get, to, you know, get medical assistance here. Everything's given for free. We get so, so caught up with the blessings that we have, your, your, your good job, your nice home, and you forget who made it happen. Real faith is trusting God for who He is. Remember this. You don't trust God. You trust God for who He is, not for what He can do. The people during those times were just after Jesus' miracles. Heal me. Bring me this. Make this happen. Right? Real faith is trusting in Jesus. He can do anything, but you have to trust Him. Real faith is believing before you even see the miracle. I know we are in situations where we're faced with some sort of a dilemma where faith conquers doubt or doubt conquers faith, whichever, in whichever way. But we, real faith means believing even if you don't see the horizon. Making that first step even if you don't know what's up there. It's believing even before you see God's miracle in your life. And real faith is being thankful even if the miracle doesn't happen. You see, when you ask God and God doesn't give it to you, sometimes you feel bitter towards God. 
Real faith means, Lord, I thank you even if I don't get healed. Lord, I thank you even if I don't buy that house. Lord, I thank you even if I don't get that car, even if I don't get that job. Real faith is being thankful even if the miracle doesn't happen. And I just want to leave you with this. Whatever you're facing right now, whatever it is that you're going through, focus on the Lord. Do not focus on what He can do for you. He can do anything. Focus on Him. After all, He is our winemaker. He can turn your water into wine. Very, very good wine. Let us not allow the things that we enjoy to keep our focus off the one who turns the water into wine. Focus on the winemaker. Whether it is wine or bread or healing, the message of the story is very clear. Whatever it is that you are facing, the Lord will provide. Tell that to the person beside you. The Lord will provide. I don't know what that is. Maybe you're hoping for a relationship to, you know, become better. Or maybe hoping for that loan to come out or a job. I don't know what that is. But tell yourself every day, the Lord will provide. I just want you to take a minute and think of a thing or something that you are facing with that you know only Jesus can fix. I don't know what that is. Maybe it's something that you've been praying for the longest time. Think of something, a problem, a situation that you are facing that you know in your heart that only Jesus can fix. Let's spend a minute as we bring to Jesus in prayer something that makes your heart weary, makes your soul tired, maybe something that keeps you awake at night, or wakes you up early in the morning. I don't know what that is. Let's bring it to Jesus now. Is there something you're worried about? Something that you've been praying for and it's not happening yet? The Lord will provide. The miracle will happen. All we have to do is bring it to Jesus. And in all humility, obey and follow His instructions. And as you pray, Ask the Lord for a deeper level of obedience that He requires of us. The Lord is asking you to do something today so He can transform your ordinary into something extraordinary for His glory. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for reminding us that more than the blessings that we enjoy, 
more than the good life that we live. We need to remind ourselves that it is you that matters. You can turn our water, something ordinary in our lives, into very, very good wine, something extraordinary. And all these so that people will know who you are. They will believe and they will worship you. Help us to become a reflection of your glory that our lives will point others to Jesus. As we start this year, Lord, we surrender to you. Every concern about health, about finance, about relationships, about school, about career, about anything, we surrender them to you. Give us a heart to obey completely whatever it is that you ask us to do and believe in faith that you will make it happen, not in our own time, but in your own perfect place and time for our good and for your glory. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's give God a praise. You just heard a message from Every Nation Canberra. For more podcasts and for more information on Every Nation Canberra, please visit everynationcanberra.org. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash everynationcanberra and on Instagram at instagram.com slash encanberra. We meet every Saturday at 104 The Valley Avenue, Gungahlin. Would you like to be connected to a tag group? Email us at everynationcanberra at gmail.com.